Welcome to Unpopular But Accurate, the podcast. After all these years, there's only one thing these two can agree on. They're always right. Here's your host, David and Tyler. Hello and welcome to another episode here of Unpopular But Accurate. This is your lovely host, Tyler, along with my gracious, gracious co-host, David. David, boy. What's going on? Man. Yeah, unpopular but accurate. Man. Another week's edition. Let's talk about it. Do, do we have some things to talk about today, my friend? Oh, yeah. Oh, Don't yeah, we? You already know. It's a lot. It's a lot going on right There's now. There's so much going on. From a wild night that featured a crazy game in Cameron Indoor Stadium to a little bit too much celebration there for the Tar Heels afterwards. Oh, so you admit that. To Tom, we'll get to that. <laughs> to Tom Brady cementing himself as the GOAT in the NFL. And also the Hornets going on a little military here. Uh, Hornets it, looking at Nearing the mid part of the season. Last two games. Uh, this weekend's had it all, my friend. So, you know, without any further ado, let's get these people what they want. Let's go ahead and dig in here. Now, listen. This weekend, as we know, the UNC Tar Heels went into Cameron Indoor Stadium, which should be renamed Hansbro Indoor Stadium for his undefeated record he had there in Durham. Oh, okay, all right. And came away with the 91-87 dub over your beloved Duke Blue Devils. Now, listen, this chapter is the latest installment. Uh, had no fans. It was definitely weird. As, as you could tell, it was not a normal Duke Carolina night for us. Um, two teams are still kind of finding themselves in the ACC right now. That's true. Um, the game still had high stakes, though. Let's, let's not get it twisted. UNC trying to keep themselves in the tourney. You had Duke possibly paying themselves out of the tourney. Uh, we're going to dig into that, David. I mean, what is your response for the performance of your Duke Blue Devils this weekend? Okay, so there was a that was a good game, you know, for the most part. Um, I just love the energy that college basketball brings, and you know, even though Duke lost, we didn't perform like we wanted to, um, and I expected us to win, especially in Cameron indoors. We are going to meet UNC again in a couple more weeks here, so mm-hmm. I don't think that they should get over the moon because. Robberies kicking in. We seen the you know Corvette Corvette dances in the locker room after the game and all that good stuff. Y'all was y'all was chuckling it up and having a party. Don't forget As in we a couple do. weeks, like I said, we're we're gonna play you guys again. But my hats go off on you to UNC. I'm not no hater. We just gonna keep it real. You feel me? And um, you know, Caleb Love had a hell of a game. Hell of a game. I he mean, did. he uh, he had more points than he's ever had before. He dropped 25 points in game. That he did. And he just showed up big time for you guys. Preach. All right. So um, overall, I'm glad it was competitive. Um, yet again, Duke, we're, we're, we're causing too many turnovers. We're just looking like a young, inexperienced team. And you know what that, I think that is going to – that accounts to? A lot of it, I think, is, you know, no offseason. You know, because of COVID, we had to die right into the season. We have a lot of freshman players. Yep. And they're still getting their jelly. Yeah. You know, at this point. Yeah, and, I would agree. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, the UNC Tar Heels, a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more vet- veteran, you know. Um, and we just didn't show up and play like we wanted to. I mean, you got to take in the fact that after this game is played, Carolina had played 18 games so far this season. Mm-hmm. Duke has only played 14 games. Now, it's four less games, you might say, but when you're in the one-and-done era and you're, you've got teams like Kentucky and, and Coach K, they need that time to get these players brought up to speed to the college game. Not only that, Duke hurt themselves 
this so season by Indy in December by taking that pause. Now, I get it. Coach K is looking out for his kids. He wanted to send them home for break, give them a chance to be with their families, as you know, a lot of these players haven't seen their family since the season started. We'll dig into that more later. That's true. But at the end of the day, that hurt them. They missed some conference games. They missed four, four non-conference games, excuse me, um, which could have further helped the confidence of, of a one like Jalen Johnson or a DJ right. uh, Stewart or, or a Jeremy Roach or any of these great freshmen that they did bring One in. of the things that stood out to me about the game, two big things, we can't have Hurts uh, not having any points in the first half. I mean, the man did a goose egg in the first half. He's one of our best players, if not our best player, other than Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to show up big time. Now, he did finish the game not bad, hitting a couple clutch uh, shots when the game was in the balance and on the line. One of the things that was frustrating the most to me, though, I love me some Wendell Moore. Don't get me wrong, but what was he thinking? At the end of the game, like, he goes up for the layup, has the lane, and decides to dish it out on some literally last minute, try to okey-doke it, and he got a call for a travel. Yeah. That was a monumental point in the game because he, after that, you know, we pretty much couldn't, you know, come back from that. You got to put that on. I think Caleb Love made a heady defensive play right there. Uh, window more expected. Love to foul him when he drove to the basket there. Love kind of stepped out of the way and more mm-hmm. came down with the ball and had nowhere to throw it. And I, I tipped my hat off. He to wasn't Caleb going Love. to attack. He wasn't. He wasn't going up to score. Though. Right. That's my problem with it. You're right. under the basket. Lay it up already. But he expected to be fouled because Carolina, Carolina had a foul to give still. Right, right. And he was expecting the foul because Carolina had shown on the prior play. It was a game of chess right there between Roy and Coach K. Mm-hmm. And Roy fouled him at the first the first go-around right there because, right. you know, we have bright ideas right here. Light bulbs mm-hmm. are going off everywhere for us on the podcast. So right. Roy Williams playing chess with Coach K and showing him, hey, I'm going to foul you here. But on the next play, Caleb Love, probably under direction Ward, is still fouled, did not foul there. And at the end of the day, causes window. Hold on, hold on but let me ask you, where did this, this skill – Come from with Caleb Love. I know he's a baller and he's been having a, a pretty good season. Yeah. But like we talked about uh, in the Clemson game, he pretty much was a non-factor the entire game. Yeah. Didn't really score. And, you know, against Duke, pretty much looking like a world beater. I mean, he was one of the, if not the best player on the court. I mean, again, he, he led all scores. So that was huge. But one thing I also do really love, and I want you to answer to Caleb Love, where did this come from? What I mean, is it just because of Duke he got hyped up? Is it like some Kawhi, uh, Clippers, LeBron facing you know the Lakers and LeBron? Because everybody knows the Clippers are not themselves until they face the Lakers. You feel me? So I feel like Caleb Love really showed up uh, in that moment. But I really do like Jeremy Roach. I mean, his defensive intensity the entire game. He's a great finisher around a basket. Um, we need a lot more of that. Well, listen, Caleb Love, um, as you know, was a number two point guard coming into the season. Carolina recruited him. Jeremy mm-hmm. Roach was number three. Mm-hmm. Both very highly talented point guards. Both Roach had a good game himself. Oh, Caleb yeah. Love, as you said, was phenomenal. Yeah, Roach had 16 um, points. Here's the scary thing about Love. Roy Williams said post game the following. Caleb Love played his best basketball game at Carolina, but I do not believe Caleb Love has played his best basketball game. And that's big. And that's, that, that speaks volumes to what Roar Williams ha, has done. I want you to think of it like this. Caleb Love has a green light to shoot from Roar Williams. Did you know that? Even though yeah. his numbers aren't great, 
He's shooting less than 30% from three on the season. He's less than, uh, if I'm not mistaken, around 40, less than 45% on the season for his regular field goal percentage. Okay. He's still got the green light because Roy Williams has that much confidence in him. Um, he said that a couple weeks ago in some prior interviews. He had a good stroke. He was feeling it. I mean, the basket had to look pretty much like the ocean. Four for five you know from ground deep. <laughs> had four three-pointers, five attempts. Kerwin Walton uh, was damn near perfect himself. I think he shot four for four from three-point range. So, okay. Okay. Walton didn't miss either. So, it, the, the key to that game like the, uh, in Saturday in Cameron for Carolina was its freshmen showed up to play, it which did. is kind of shocking given that Carolina's a little bit more veteran team than Duke. But the freshmen combined for 49 points in Cameron Indoor. When you take Dayron Sharp, you take Curran Walton, and you Day-Ron take Dayron uh, Sharp. Yes, and don't All right, and Bay Cowboy. We'll can't wait to, to get into this. We'll get to that. But at the end of the day, we're going to celebrate this UNC win right now, okay? And, and we got to just ask ourselves here, though, what does this mean for Duke, though, David? Because at this point in time, listen, Duke, when they lost this game, moved to 7-7, seven and 5-5 seven, five and five overall in the ACC. As we just got news here while we're recording the podcast here, mm-hmm. Duke also lost to Notre Dame tonight. Yeah. Um in another close fault game, very high scoring game, um, but they lost the game um, against Notre Dame at home of all time, of albeit. So now we got a seven and eight Duke team and a Duke team that's five and six in conference. Okay, David Duke's got looks like if you look at the schedule here, seven games left. Okay, okay? out of those seven games, Duke is only favored to win in three games by a good margin, and then the final. A game where they're expected to win at Georgia Tech, fifty-one percent. Not really installing confidence for a win. So let, so let me um, jump in here. So Duke has his work cut out for him. They do. Right now. We have our work cut out for us right now. We can't have any blunders. I mean, we had a sixty-six uh, percent chance of beating Notre Dame tonight. Yep. And yet again, uh, we go home a little disappointed. Yeah. Obviously, you know, this is not the season that any Duke fan expected or wanted. You know, um, but. We got to keep rolling with the punches. And, you know, we're going to be, like I said in the live pack, uh, last uh, episode, we're going to be one of those bubble teams. But if we don't start winning quick, fast, in a hurry, this season is going to go down a drain. I'm a, well, I, I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I think the season's done. Uh, I, I, it remains to be seen. You should never doubt Coach K. And, you know, some people are going to call me a homer for what I'm saying. But you got seven games left on the season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You only favored to win three of those final seven. The other one's really a toss-up, okay? And if you go three and four in that stretch or four and three in that stretch, the best you can be record-wise is 10 and 10. Mm-hmm. Even in conference, even in play, or at least one game off of each. That's not going to get you in the tournament. So at this point, Duke has to do one or two things, I think, to get in the tournament. They've got to run the table, and they've got to beat. Oh, definitely, we got to run the table. And to run the table, they got to do the following: they got to beat number nine Virginia at home. I know that's going to be a tough one. They got to beat Syracuse at home, very doable. They got to beat Louisville at home, that's going to be a tough game. And then they got to go on the road and win at Carolina and Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech is a surging team in the ACC right now. Everybody knows that. So that's a tall task. I don't think they're going to get it done running the table. They're going to have to win in Greensboro on the ACC tournament. Oh, yeah. So I think to get to the to tournament in, in Indianapolis for the big one. Well, I honestly think you said that um, pretty well. Um, Virginia is, you know, they're the number nine ranked team right now in the nation. That's mm-hmm. not going to be a cakewalk by any means. We're going to have to play some of our best bus- basketball. Towards the end of the year, we, we don't really have any margin of error right now. Period. We, don't, we, we cannot lose. 
Um, I understand that we're young, but we're going to have to be competitive. And we're just, as long as we cut down the mistakes at the end of the game, there's too many times, just like the Miami game with Duke, that we turned the ball over and it led to a fast break point. You know, yeah. same thing with UNC, you know, on Saturday night. Towards the end of the game where it actually counted, we were turning the ball over too many times. So as long as we get that rectified and not beat ourselves, you know, we do have a puncher's chance. Man, I, let's just say long term, if Coach K misses the tournament here, this would be the first time Coach K's really missed the tournament since the 80s. Think about that for a second. The 80s. Now, granted, that speaks to the volumes of how good Coach K is. God, boy, I'll give him that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we'll, we'll let that 95, 96 mm. season slide where he had a back pain and had to miss the rest of the season, and they never award those losses to him, nor say that it was his fault they missed the tournament, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this has probably got to be Coach K's most disappointing cre- recruiting class he's ever assembled. Um, I mean, disappointing as far as what they produce, not the level of talent and skill that they have. We're a talented team. We just, we're still figuring out how to win on a consistent basis. Yeah, Being but time is running out, my friend. There's no more time to figure it, these things out. It is. Out. But you got to win now. Yeah. And what do you think about Carolina's chances? Because it seems like you guys don't really know how to, you know, take a win either. Well, listen, well, you don't got to be a sore loser about us celebrating. It's, it's, not, about, it's not about a sore loser. You thing. get a little bad about a little TikTok video. No, no. Up. I'm just saying keep the same energy. You get mad. Keep the same energy the whole time. That wears Jordans, <laughs> that has the best shoe game. First off, of any coach in college basketball right now, hands down. You feel Roy good about Williams that? Has the best shoe game. You feel game. good about that? Took those nice Jordans. Would you like a cookie? Roy Williams walks into the Carolina <laughs> locker room after it's hit him with a little <laughs> dance. Did y'all win a Super Bowl? Y'all, it looked like y'all won a Super Bowl when y'all played. Dude. Every time, I mean, every everybody, Carolina all, wins all, all the uh, all the students stormed Franklin Street, mm-hmm. and um, Carolina actually had a little bit of an incident. Listen, you uh, listen. Can you, can you speak we'll, on that for we'll, me? Please? Listen, that incident we will get into. All right, mm-hmm. but we need to talk about here at the end of this because I know your butt hurt. About uh, the win there, and you're mad about us dancing. And let me just no, say, I'm not this. mad. No, I'm not mad. I, said, I you, just said, okay. Say, Duke is not special, okay? We don't dance just because we beat Duke. We dance when we win. So you don't think this is, I mean, clearly this is the biggest rivalry that you oh, guys no, have. No, no, okay, okay, no. Okay, no doubt. Right. I'm so, just saying, so you're extra exuberant. We're not, we're not this dancing time around. only for Duke, okay? Because I've got about five videos I can show you from where we dance when we beat other teams. So all, so, my, all I'm trying to say with, when it comes to the showboating a little bit, you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's showboating. It's kind of thrown in Duke yeah. face. We, it's all good. Does it hurt but, your feelings? But, but, but let me just say this, though. Let me say this. Keep that same energy. Because if you remember during the NFL season this year, Juju Smith-Schuster over here, Corvette, Corvette, doing all the dances and, yep. you know, the moves on the opposing team's logo. And when they played the Browns in the playoffs, he was recorded as saying, oh, yeah, it's just the Browns, right? And then they got done in the playoffs by that same Browns I'm team. The other thing is... During the Super Bowl just this past Sunday, um, the first time Tyreek Hill and the Bucks played each other, Tyreek Hill put the deuces up in my man's face as he was running for the touchdown. It, it looked cool. I ain't gonna hold you. Uh-huh. It was exciting. You know, it brought attention to it. 
But do you really want that type of attention? Because you know, I yes. know you seen. I know you seen the Super Bowl. Yes. My man got an unsportsmanlike uh, conduct for doing the same deuces. Game was only, in hand. Only this time, the game was over. That was you know fine. So he, it, it made listen, worse. Listen, Tyreek Hill deserved to put the deuces up in the first game. Did you see the amount of yards he hung on him? All right. Okay. He had more receiving yards than more, more most quarterbacks pass in a game against the Bucks. So if Duke does a thing, don't be surprised if we're TikToking and, because, and dancing and Millie Rock. In the because Duke earned that right to do that. You guys earned to do whatever you want. If you want to cha-cha slide, if you want to keep the cha-cha, if y'all want to do the damn hokey pokey, because you know you ain't got no rhythm in Durham, all up in the locker room, do what you got to do. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it, Carolina Duke, deserved to dance. But if so, Duke wins against y'all next time, it'll be the last game of the season, yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe the last time we play y'all all year, right? Unless it's the tournament, right? Y'all gonna have a bad taste in your mouth. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? That's fine. He who lasts, 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 lasts. I'm gonna mess up on that. We will also have that last laugh because Carolina will more than likely look at the schedule ahead, be in the tournament, and Duke won't, so they can laugh all they want if they win the last game. Coming up for North Carolina, right? Um, Schedule's loaded going into the final seven games of the season Mm -hmm. now that the Miami game was canceled. Again, more on that in a second. Listen at this. ACC knew what they were doing when they were scheduling games here in, in the month of February. What makes you say that? ACC knew what they were doing. Saturdays are loaded with action-packed games. Look at yep. this. This weekend, you got Carolina at UVA. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Big matchup. It is. The following week, you got another Saturday matchup with Carolina versus Louisville, who's one of the top teams in the league. And then you got Duke versus Virginia next week, which all eyes are going to be on that because we want to see if Duke can make a push for the tournament. Two big games the following weekend. The weekend after that, the 27th, Duke then plays Louisville to try to revenge a loss from earlier in the season. Carolina then has to play number 17 FSU. Games with teams in the top echelon of the conference there as well. And then the final week of the season, March the 6th, it's UNC Duke again. I mean, the ACC set us up for a basketball lover's feast to end the season. Pretty much strap in. It's going to be a wild ride. Props to Jim Jim Swafford, uh, former commissioner of the ACC. He retired at the end of January. Um, he did his thing. Carolina alum as well did his thing. Oh, yeah, let us, let us to some of the great. There, I mean, you? listen, listen. Right, right. Do you Carolina, understand Carolina that Carolina alum. alums have been commissioners of two of the Power Five conferences in the past twenty years? Think about that for yeah, a second. I did not know that. Hey, we, would you like? Cook- we produce would, results. Would you, baby. would you like your cookie with M and M's or chocolate chips? Just like we did. Or do you like Saturday in Durham? Because anyway. we ain't trying to hear all that. <laughs> all right. So, up. Uh, listen, we also got to talk. Listen, this is North Carolina sports. This is not just about North Carolina and Duke. Okay. All right. NC State's out there. It's a team that's lurking. It's a team that's trying to build its its uh, tournament profile. Right now, NC State in conference. Well, we know that the Wolfpack is sitting at four and six in conference okay. and eight and seven overall in the league. Um, had a big game against Syracuse tonight. Both were very similar in spots in the league. The Wolfpack dropped that one on the road. Kind of hurt their tournament chances. Now they're trying to make a run. Um, Do you think that North Carolina is going to get into the tournament? North Carolina State or North Carolina. North Carolina, uh, NC State. NC State, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, FPI thinks they will. Or, excuse me, BPI, which is the Basketball Power Index powered by ESPN, thinks right. that mm-hmm. NC State is going to be favored to win in six of their last eight games. I think that's horse crap. Look at tonight's game, for example. They lost by double digits on the road at Syracuse. So, it, it, that's not going to happen for them. Let's turn, though, attention for NC State to build their tournament profile against Duke this weekend. They're coming to Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, big game here for both Duke and NC State. They are somewhat of rivals. I don't know if you consider them their rival, but NC State yeah, definitely considers Blue Devils their rival. I do. Um, usually, um, NC State has Duke's number in Raleigh. 
So Duke could be looking at four straight losses coming up here, right? I highly doubt Duke is going to lose to NC State. You can go ahead and book it. You book Co- it. Coach K is going to have them boys prepared, ready, because we don't. Again, we don't have any room for mm-hmm. error. You know, we have to win these games. So somebody that's going to be a beatable matchup like NC State. Hate to say it, you know, for all my state fans out there, but they're very beatable. So I think I think we're going to come. Long as Jalen Johnson plays the way he's supposed to be. You know, Hertz is another one. Wendell Moore, we got the star power. We're box office. We're just like, we're like pups right now, low key. But, you know, we're going to turn on a big dog. Here's the problem. Tonight, uh, Matthew Hertz scored only 13 points for Duke. Jalen Johnson scored only eight. Mm-hmm. That's not going to get it done for the Blue Devils. Um, they need their stars to star because they don't have much else after that. Um, let me, let's go back to your bet. What do you want to put on that? I mean, I want to bet you some type of bet of pain. Uh, we don't we don't support gambling uh, out there yeah, for on people. Which, okay, on which uh, on, which on the yeah, how 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 bad do you think Duke will beat the Wolfpack this weekend in Raleigh? NC State has won three of the last seven against Duke right now. So since 2017, so you're still that confident about the win? I'm not. I'm confident. Yes, only because NC State is not a great basketball team at this moment. They never make. You know, really deep uh, March Madness runs. You know, that's not really in their mm-hmm. DNA. We have the DNA of champions. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of our players are freshmen. Um, they are inexperienced. But that's where Coach K experience being the best head coach in college basketball history really comes into play. Um, again, he's just going to have to, as long as we're aggressive, we're attacking the boards on offense and defense. Uh, we got Jalen Johnson doing his thing. We got Wendell Moore hitting his open shots the way he's capable of. And also Roach, you know, assisting the ball, which he's a, he's a great, I mean, all-around athlete, point guard for us. We, I, mean, you, I mean, do you not think that we have the talent and the skill to win? What, what, would, think, what would make you feel like NC State could beat Duke? Duke's confidence rattled right now. Eh, They're rattled. Because of what? They've lost to Miami, Carolina, and Notre Dame in back-to-back games. All right, yeah, the Carolina yeah, loss sure. is understandable. That's a rivalry game. You can't put nothing mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. But the losses to Notre Dame and the losses to Miami are unacceptable. It, it, with right now with where Duke's program is, they are better than both of those squads, and they're losing to inferior teams. That's mm-hmm. got me worried. NC State is a team that still can make the tournament right now. They're in a similar position to Duke. They lost their best player to an ACL injury last week. Mm-hmm. you got to feel bad for him and that kid. Um I think it's going to be a real hard fought game. I don't know if you guys will pull it out. I'm gonna pull the I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the Wolfpack here to win it. Listen, uh, if we don't win, give me the Wolfpack against, by five. I'm gonna put it on record. All right, so the Wolfpack by five. By five. Oh shucks, this guy right here. They're definitely not gonna listen. Hypothetically speaking, if the Wolfpack win, I mean Duke is pretty much done. There's really not much I can say. Yeah. You know, at that point, if they lose to the Wolfpack in a must-win scenario, yeah. then they're pretty much done. Uh, I'm, my projection with the game is going to be Duke 75, NC State 63. Man. Somewhere so around So they're going to right the ship in a big way in Raleigh. Oh, yeah. Hell okay. yeah. Okay. We'll see hell what yeah. happens this weekend. Facts. Uh, and elsewhere on the Tar Heel State, you've also got Wake Forest basketball out there. Now, Wake Forest under first-year head coach Steve Forbes. Uh, he's turning that program around. Steve Forbes was a great coach for East Tennessee State up there in the mm-hmm. SoCon conference um, led that team won the SOCON conference last year but could not go to the tournament due to COVID because mm-hmm. the tournament was canceled mm-hmm. um, they actually they won the, the tournament and qualified and, and you feel bad for them but at the same time Wake Forest is in good hands 
Carolina and Duke need to pay attention to uh, Wake Forest. They need to pay attention to NC State because I like Kevin Keats at NC State as well. He's a good coach. At the end of the day, the the ACC hoops in the state of North Carolina explicitly mm-hmm. is going to get a lot better. It's going. It's already intense. I'm excited for it's it because I like to get to those old days. But I don't think anybody really paying attention like that at Wake Forest. So. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, you know maybe not. But at, listen, at the end of the day, Wake Forest really has not been relevant to me like that since Chris Paul. It's been a while. Well, since they, Chris they had Paul. those good years. It's been, it's uh, been with, some my, years. with Marcus Teague. You know, they had those good years there. Marcus Teague or Jeff Teague. We're one of the brothers. Shout out to Marcus Teague. Teague, but one of the Teagues. You know, forgive me, Wake Forest. Maybe you shouldn't advertise them better. So after beating their closest rivals this weekend, which, listen, at the end of the day was oh so sweet. Okay? Right, right, right. UNC, unfortunately, the Tar Heels had a couple of players here that just couldn't help themselves. Oh, man. Enjoyed the win a little too much. Um, Armando Baycart and Dayron Sharp were each caught uh, on Snapchat a party in Chapel Hill without masks. Um, oh, although man. it had some ramifications because although no one, uh, none of the players tested positive to the Miami game, the basketball game between both the Heels and the Hurricanes was canceled due to concerns within Miami's program. Carolina released an official statement on this today, and I want to read that official statement from the basketball players. Go ahead, and, we, and, and they say, and I quote, Saturday night, a number of players and managers, not just the one shown on the video that was seen, got together to celebrate a win at Duke. Our intention was to celebrate privately within our group. Unfortunately, we allowed several friends who were not members of the team to join the gathering. We were inside and not wearing masks, which were mistakes. We apologize for not adhering to the university's and athletic department's guidelines and apologize to Coach Williams and his staff for not stepping forward when he first addressed it with us on Sunday. We have worked too hard for eight months doing the right things to make those kinds of mistakes at this point in the season. We are hopeful we'll be able to play again soon and wish to remind everyone to stay safe so this pandemic will be over as soon as possible. Coach Williams also offered his own statement for it. He needed to. He said the following. He did. did. I appreciate the players uh, voicing their apology. They made a mistake. They've been fantastic for more than eight months in the way uh, excuse me, they've been fantastic for more than eight months in the way that they dealt with the whole situation with the virus, but they realize they did make a mistake for which they are paying a very significant price. Wait, uh, we want to, the people want to know what that price they're paying is. You're never going to know that. And You're, why is that? Because that's kept in house. Coach K doesn't tell you what his punishment so is. So like, a slap on the wrist, teams. essentially. You don't know if it's a slap I think, on the wrist. I think Baycott and uh, Sharp, they got to be suspended for at least a half. I, I will tell you at this. At least. Uh, suspensions might come down from Roy. I, I, I would not. I would not be surprised if he did it. I'm gonna tell you this right now. They are gonna think they're at cross country practice this week and not at basketball practice. Well, so before I jump in on my take, let's go ahead and play this quick Jay Billis. You know, um, feed in his thoughts about uh, you know everything that happened and transpired this weekend. You know, I just ran into one of the North Carolina assistant coaches, and uh, they're they're upset with uh, with their players. Uh, so on one hand, you're saying, okay, everybody has a responsibility to do things the right way. Then on the other hand, you know, that, they told us at the beginning of the year, these are just kids and kids mm. are doing new kid things. I, I think calling them kids infantilizes them, especially when they are adults. And, and some of these players, not necessarily North Carolina, but around the country, have their own kids. And uh, so a mistake was made. But you're kind of stuck in the middle of are they do, do the the players are the one 
carrying this entire multi-billion dollar business on their shoulders by living on in isolation. The coaches and the staff, they go home at night to their families. So the players, you know, they got out of isolation a little bit. And, uh, and look, I get it. Uh, some people are upset about it. Maybe they have the right to be. But uh, I think if you look at both sides, you're kind of, you know, I understand it. It may not be the right thing, but I do understand yeah, it. I totally understand what you're trying to say, that w- you could see both sides, whether it is right or wrong. Uh, but my, my next question is, how much of a concern is this throughout college basketball where coaches see this and they're on the road and they say, well, we don't want to play the opposing team because we are concerned about what we're seeing somewhere else. I mean, have you heard that extensively over the last two months? I have not that when when coaches are looking at other situations that they're trying to apply it to their own. I mean, I think everybody's on edge right now. I think the hardest part of everybody's day is early in the morning. Most of the teams around the country test every day and they're testing between eight, seven and eight o'clock in the morning. So the, the, the morning hours, they're just sitting on eggshells uh, waiting to see if everybody's going to test negative and they're not going to have a pause. Uh, as you know, Kevin, there are pauses all around the country right now. Baylor's in one, mm-hmm. you name it. There are a bunch of programs. Uh, so everybody's trying to get to the finish line, even to the point of, of people, coaches now, you have some coaches talking about opting out of their conference tournaments, which, uh, which to me seems ludicrous given the fact that that's not what opting out means. Opting out means not playing at all. It doesn't mean picking or choosing which games you're going to play. If you've got significant health concerns, that's one thing. Uh, but, but the idea that you're not going to play in a conference tournament because you're, you're worried about the NCAA tournament doesn't seem to me the, the right tack to take. Yeah, so I, I don't know if I, you know, I love me some Jay Billis. I know you do too, even though he is a the best alumni. The best announcer I of I mean, all time for a college basketball. To me, he's, he's kind of making excuses no, a, a little bit for the, for the players. Like, we're in a deadly pandemic, and I'm not going to harp on this because everybody makes mistakes. Um, it just seems like UNC got too far ahead of themselves, right? They were a little too ju- uh, jubilant. You know, they were a little bit too excited, too happy. And why'd you get caught on Snapchat of all things? Do you, I mean, you see that the dude is Snapchatting, y'all. What, you know damn well you ain't supposed to be at a party, especially maskless, you know. And yet you get caught on cam to the point where it literally re- uh, results in the game against Miami being canceled. I, I, listen, I, as a Carolina fan, which you already know, but at the end of the day, I, I want to hear this. It, it's it's disappointing. This. It's disappointing. And at the end of the day, you got to have a better head than that. Like, why well, I get it, they do make mistakes. I, I, I understand that. I understand that this is a different time and it's difficult for everybody not seeing your family members, not seeing your friends, uh, not being able to socialize in normal environments that you should be able to as a college kid. I get that. But at the end of the day, you've got to have a better head on your uh, on your shoulders. Thank you. Especially when your season is pointing upwards right now. You've got an upward trajectory, right? Does it um, show a level of immaturity with the uh, North Carolina players? You could say that. That would that okay. would not be an argument I wouldn't make there. Okay. It, it's definitely a level of As long as you're willing to you know, say it was a little It's an overstep. It's right. a mistake. It will be corrected. Their legs will fall off from running this week. Um, As it should be. Someone might get suspended for a half. My whole thing is, though, and this is how I'm coming. Do you think that Coach Roy Williams, you know, said something about the guidelines after the Duke game? I know you guys are excited. We won a big game. We've beat our rivals. Isn't that something as far as don't party, don't be outside maskless? Isn't that something you would say to your kids after a big victory when you know that you guys typically party like that? It doesn't need to be said. Why not? Because he's already said it more than once. These players are reminded of the COVID guidelines every day. 
They see COVID guidelines on the door. They see other people wearing masks. They see right, all the right. guidelines they have when they come into the stadium. They see all the guidelines they got to have when they leave the stadium. They do all the testing throughout the and week. And so yet they still don't listen to them? Listen, these players, as it was shown, here's how I imagine this happened. Okay. It was a party I'm, originally I'm for only players uh-huh. and only managers. That was it. Which those people are allowed to congregate together because they're part of a team. They see each other every day. Okay. They're having full contact in practice, right? Got those it. players are allowed to be around each other. Here's probably what happened. One or two players invited some extra people over, and that's all this probably is. Okay. okay? At the end of the day, that's all it is. Now, those one or two players mess it up for the whole team, and everybody's legs are about to damn fall off in practice, and everybody's going to lose about fucking, excuse me. <laughs> fall off in practice? <laughs> and everybody's legs are about to fall off in practice. Um I trust Will Williams on it. Here's the thing. Here's why I'm not putting a lot of stock in it like a lot of people want to put stock in it. And here's why I think a lot of people aren't making big deals out of it. Roy Williams is one of the biggest proponents of making sure everybody stays safe during the, the coronavirus. Right? He's the first one to – he was one of the first big coaches to come out and say everybody needs to be wearing masks. Right? He, oh, he said that? Yeah, he has said he multiple multiple uh, uh, press conferences. He even noticed that some bro. coaches don't wear masks. I choose to wear a mask. I think it's the right thing to do. Williams also said in another press conference, if you're not scared of this thing, you're stupid. All right? Roy Williams is scared of the virus. I, I, right? I'm, I'm, I'm glad you I don't, put that in there for our viewers and so people can understand how Roy Williams thinks. He feels that strongly about it. So we know for a fact – the fact that we had to have two separate statements – from the Carolina basketball program, one from the players and then one for Coach Williams tells you, right, they know they've royally effed this thing up. So, I mean, one of the other interesting aspects is, you know, um, the game happened on Saturday night, the party happened on Saturday night. Uh, Sunday, uh, Baycott and Sharp were with the team. Mm -hmm. Did um, practice. And they did practice. And because, you know, they're around the team after being in a party in a social, you know, gathering setting with no mask on, um, the game with Miami had to be canceled. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about that. Like, why did they have to cancel if literally Miami's going to be in town uh, till Saturday and the game was on Monday and they tested negative on, uh, on Sunday? Why couldn't the game be played on Tuesday, Wednesday, potentially even Thursday? Listen, I mean, it, it, it all comes down to... So that's kind of how I feel about that. The Miami well. program. Miami probably could play the game, but then again, there's... Certain things with tests where if you test too early, it may not show up positive. Um, if you test too late, it could also still come up as negative on it. So Miami had every right to be concerned. Miami had every right to withdraw from the game. Um, will this have effect on Saturday's game at Virginia? We'll wait to see. Um, but the Tar Heels missed, I think, in I my think opinion, it, it messes up your rhythm for sure. It, it could mess up the rhythm. It's right. a possibility. And you're already borderline board, a bubble team. I don't think it messes up the rhythm a lot. Here's why. There have been five teams that I can tell you right now that have all have COVID pauses and all been perfectly fine. Let me tell you all five of them. Florida State, Michigan, Villanova, Gonzaga, and Baylor. Every single one of those teams right Somebody's there. Somebody's done their homework, folks. Are ranked. Four of them are ranked in the top ten, four, ten, and one of them is ranked in the top 15. So with that being said, I don't think it's going to affect Carolina. Carolina's turning the corner. They missed an opportunity to build more momentum with the Miami win because I think they would have they would have beat Miami by double digits. I must be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, the Miami game was definitely a very beatable game. It was a winnable game for them. They could have had that in the bag. They would have been thirteen and six, rolling into Virginia, and then we don't know what could happen. Now we got to see if Carolina can turn around, correct what they did wrong, 
if the game happens on Saturday, can they step up to the plate and nothing cures issues like what? But like what? But uh, yeah, winning. Winning. If, if I so must Carolina say. wins all the road to Charlottesville. It's, it's winning. Next Monday, no one's going to say anything about listen, this party. Listen so Carolina, you better win. I got you. So my whole thing is, though, you better win. I say you better win because if you don't win, they're going to be constantly bringing this up. Yet again, are they distracted? What are they doing when they're not playing? Uh, are they committed to everything that's going on? And it's already throwing off your rhythm. So you got to win. If you if you win, you can put this in your rearview uh, rear mirror faster. But if you lose, this issue is going to be lingering. It could possibly be a very interesting storyline for us to follow here as we go into the next week. Again, Duke at NC State this Saturday. Carolina at Virginia. Definitely ball games we're keeping our eyes on. Um I'm going to take probably Virginia to win in Charlottesville uh, on Saturday. I think they've got a little bit of momentum going themselves. Virginia is definitely winning that game. They're 13-3, and 9-1 and one in conference. You could book that one. It's just they always have Carolina's number with that pesky defense they have. And Carolina has to have shooters to beat Virginia with that defense. And if Caleb Love and Kerwin Walton show up, Carolina has a great chance to win. But – if they don't show up, then I think it's going to go Virginia. And it's going to be a low score. They, they definitely have snipers on the outside. Virginia does. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting point to play Virginia this part of the season because of everything that just happened with UNC. Um, I just think that this is going to be one of those things where it's a loss for you guys. It's going to be in a loss column. That game, to me, give me 80 to, like, 65-70. On that. They're going to beat you out by at least 10, 10 or more points. You think 10 or more points? 10 or more points. I think you're talking through your rear end over here. They don't score that many points to begin with. They're going to slow the game way down. It's going to be an ugly game to begin with. And it's not going to be more than 10 points. Okay. Put it put it, okay. put it, down. All I'll right. give you your credit next week. If, hey, if hey, right. Listen, if it's a high-scoring game, you got to give me my credit. But I would like to also let it be known that I predicted a four-point Carolina win in Durham, and that's exactly what happened. All right, so you give you, me my credit. David. Listen, you give could, me. Listen, my you, you predicted credit. a four point win, but your your final score was way off. Whose final score is ever wrong? It's ever <laughs> right? Excuse me. Right. Whose right. final score is ever right? So you got lucky. I give you. A little I bit picked credit. the spread. That's lucky. all that matters. You got lucky. All right, moving on to the professional side of the ball here. Hey, we got to talk about these Charlotte Hornets, man. Let me tell you what uh, the Hornets, Lamelo Ball specifically are starting to earn the respect of others around the league and as well media pundits out there. Right now, they're ranked 17th in the latest NBA power rankings, and that was before Monday night's drubbing of the Houston Rockets. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, With that, the Hornets are 12-13 and 13 right now, tied for 6th in the East. Okay, They're also tied for 1st in the division with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, had a great week last week. LaMelo Ball looks to be on point. He was the January Rookie of the Month last month. Are you still thinking LaMelo should be coming off the bench to Terry Rozier? Because I think he's definitely solidified the fact that he's a dominant starter right now in the NBA. Stop it. Man. Stop it. I do not envy James Borrego one bit because he's got to decide once Devontae Graham comes back from injury, do I put LaMelo, Devontae, and Terry in and remove P.J. Washington from the lineup? And move Gordon Hayward to the four, or do I stick with what I've had, which was Graham, Mel, uh, Graham, Rogier, and Gordon Hayward at the one, two, three, leave PJ Washington in, and of course, interchange your centers there with Zeller and, uh, Biombo as you see fit for matchup purposes. But at the end of the day, 
That's a tough decision. I, I, I can't make a decision right now because Terry Rozier has also stepped up his game recently. No, he is. He's been balling. Straight balling. I made a point that Terry Rozier should probably be benched in favor of Lamelo Ball. And what has he done since I made that point? Uh, he's balled out. So, Do you know that Lamelo hit seven threes yesterday? Seven threes against the Rockets. Yeah. The boy is heating up. At this point, uh, even, you know, Nick Young and Dwayne Wade were tweeting about the fact that LaMelo Ball is maybe one of the top 10 point guards currently right now in the NBA mm. in his rookie season. The kid is that good. People are paying attention. He's definitely like that. And I, I was, I was something I really picked up watching the Hornets, you know, within the last several days, you know, because we had a really big win on Sunday as well. Um, the team is electric with LaMelo Ball behind the helm. You know, that, that last year when Kimball Walker got traded to the Celtics, the Hornets pretty much looked like an organization and franchise that pretty much lost a dog. You know, we we, we, uh, we didn't want to get rid of Kimball Walker. He just cost too much money. Yeah. But there was definitely residual effects throughout the entire year. That team just didn't seem like they had any heart. They had no fire under them. And now you just you just feel the, the, the synergy that's going on right now with the Hornets and the chemistry. Everybody's rolling on all cylinders right now. Just a couple weeks ago in Charlotte on 610 The Fan and more, yeah. everybody was trying to write their obituary. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let me put it like this. LaMelo has done nothing but balled out. He was recently inserted to the starting lineup. As you know, he started the last five games from the Hornets. The Hornets went 3-2 and two in that stretch. Um, he has also led the team in scoring in four of the last six Hornets ball games. Man is a stud. And I'm yeah. glad you bring up Kimball Walker because let me let me ask you this question, David. If LaMelo Ball continues to play at this level from now until the end of the season mm-hmm. and the Boston Celtics came ringing to the Hornets and said, hey, we will give you Kimball Walker oh. for LaMelo Ball and a first-round draft pick, would you make that deal now? Uh, hell no. Exactly. I, I would not. Simply because, you know, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Exactly. What, what are the uh, Hornets currently placed in right now in the East? Sixth. Sixth place, you guys. Sixth place in the East. That's a lot more said than the last several years for the Hornets. Yeah. You know, they're, and I don't know if they're even really overachieving. I just think that this team has a kind of guts, talent, skill that once put together and once coached right, can literally do a lot of damage. One of the biggest things that's showing that Jay, uh, Jay Borrego, um, Dan Borrego is doing his thing coaching these boys up, Malik Monk. Yeah. Enough said right there. Malik yeah. Monk was considered damn near a bust, still borderline, and eh, do you want him or do you not want him on the team? But the last two to three games, Malik Monk has been balling. So shout out to Malik Monk. Keep doing your thing, boy. I, I will say this Malik Monk has played better. Some might argue, if you want to be real petty and want LaMelo Ball in the lineup, that uh, Malik Monk has reached his potential playing with Ball. So uh, you can make that argument out there. Maybe Ball is, is what's unlocking his potential as a player right now. Right. Um, whatever it is, the sauce is in Charlotte. And I wish COVID wasn't here because can you imagine the amount of buzz that would be going on? Give me your thoughts, in the though. Spectrum Center. Yeah. If we could have fans there Bananas. right now. Bananas. It'd be full house. Apples, pears, oranges. And, and this state loves basketball. And with the way the, the top two programs in the state are playing this year, they'd be craving for something to be excited about. But so. l- l- let me ask you this, though. Well, let me let me let you speak on this, I should say. Carry on. Your thoughts about Miles Bridges at this moment. Uh, Miles Bridges has balled out recently. Last night he took over that game. I w- Boy. Without Miles Bridges, I'm not sure we would have won the game. 
because he was so instrumental in what he was doing of just dismantling Houston um, going into the third and fourth quarters. Uh, let me just say this right now, my friend. Panthers went uh, two and two last week, as as I predicted. I'm not sure what your your Hornets. Hornets should I say Panthers? Yeah, you did. Excuse me, <laughs> Hornets, my friend. Another Charlotte team went two and two. <laughs> we'll get to the Panthers in a minute. Hornets went two and two last week against uh, 76ers, Jazz, Wizards, and Rockets. That's another thing we got to bring up. It's not like they're playing scrub competition. Houston's probably a borderline playoff team in the West. Jazz are definitely in. I think they have the NBA's best record. And then you've got the 76ers, who had the best record last week. Um, and they came back in both ball games, tried to make a game out of it. The Jazz game got a little way away from at the end. Mm-hmm. But I was impressed with the comebacks, and I was impressed with how we played. And LaMelo Ball played well in all of those ball games. Um, coming up next for the Hornets, Dave, let's get you get your thoughts here. We got uh, Memphis on Wednesday night, Friday mm-hmm. night. Uh, we've got Minnesota. Memphis, 10th in the West. Minnesota, absolutely dog crap. Last in the West. Um, San Antonio coming up on uh, Sunday, who was 5th in the West. That's going to be our toughest game next week. And then we've got Chicago uh, before the next podcast next week, uh, who is 9-13 and 11th in the East. W- what do you think the Hornets can do the upcoming games? What do you see them doing? So Memphis is not really scaring anybody. They're not. They're having, you know, in my opinion, gelling issues. Um, John Morant is still a baller, though. You can't dismiss John Morant. He's doing his thing. Um, he, he's been looking good ever since he's come back from injury. Uh, and then who do we have after uh, we play Memphis? We have the Timberwolves with Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, that's a very winnable game. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's a, it's a very winnable game. Um, Without Carl Anthony Towns. Is he, is he hurt at the moment? Yeah, that's why they're not playing that well right now. Oh, wow. Uh yeah, they're gonna have to get him back if they want to make mm-hmm. any sort of noise. They're gonna have to get him back. And right now, it's seventeen. It it kind of you know I don't know. It, it's kind of feeling like the the Panthers. The Panthers now sound like you. The Hornets <laughs> are going to be downhill skiing over these next couple of days. Now, granted, I'm not going to try to take this light. The Spurs game is going to be a tough. Never underestimate Popovich. But at the same time, <laughs> we got uh, some drinks flowing here. You know, as you can see. Um, at the same time, they're they're, they're going to need to stay focused. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they will. They will. I believe the Hornets will come out of this stretch uh, here at the end of the season three and one. Um, only loss I three can see happening right. is at San Antonio with the. Oh, excuse me. That's a that's a home game. I apologize. San Antonio at home uh, could be a loss. That team's looking a lot better. Uh, Demar Derozan playing well. Lamarcus Aldridge is playing well. Um, I, th- I think though three and one is reasonable. We get above five hundred this week. We'll be fifteen and fourteen if that happens. Goodness. Next week's is going to be a little bit tougher. We'll get into that next week. What would the Hornets are going through? But Hornets the only up and up. Charlotte has a lot to be excited about. Didn't you? Weren't you the same guy that kind of had the Hornets doing nothing really this year? Nothing. Not even not even a playoff team. I think it'd be a playoff team. Listen, no not one even a knew, playoff team, y'all. No one knew. Yes, you said it first. <laughs> no one knew first that they would add Gordon Hayward. All right. Um, secondly, Charlotte was on fire. No one knew Lamelo Ball was this good. We had an idea. I mean, he was a third pick. Yeah, he's been still. Mitch, I, I, listen, I give credit to Mitch Kupchak because you know I'm glad we got him from the Lakers. He's always been a good, uh, you know, at, at you know acquisition of you know making great talent, having good talent around uh, players in our team and uh, and beyond. He's just a great general manager. We'll give credit to Mitch Kupchak, but I have no faith in the Hornets to make the right decision on draft night. Why? 
Cody Zeller was a fourth fourth pick overall. Okay. And Mecca Okafor was the number one pick overall. But that was before Mitch, though. Michael Gallup. Ever since, I know, ever since I know, then, but you he's asked been me, getting it right. But you asked me why I had no faith in the Hornets. So, all I'm telling That's you. That's the old Hornets, though. I know. This is a new one. But look at here. I mean, you got Michael Kidd, Girl, Chris, number me? two overall. I mean, so, I don't have a lot of faith in them usually to pick. Mitch, you're doing your thing. Keep it going. Keep doing your thing, boy. Go Heels, because he's Octario. So, we'll go with that as well. Um... Hornets, we'll see what they do. Like I said, three game, uh, four games coming up. Memphis, Memphis, San Antonio, Chicago, all at home in the final three. Let's see how they uh, roll. Let's see if they can keep the party going for Charlotte. All right. Let's see if they can keep the party going for Charlotte. Um, David, let, let's let's transition here. Let, let's talk about Tom Brady. Talk to me. The G O A T. Hands down in all of the NFL right now, the GOAT, the GOAT defeated the the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if that, that was actually them this weekend. Well, who was that on the field? I know. Not the Chiefs we've been seeing this week this Yo, year. Have y'all been seeing the memes? I might have to add some to the to the YouTube video, all the different memes and whatnot of Patrick Mahomes. They have been hysterical, bro, if you haven't seen it. Uh, they had a couple where Patrick Mahomes is just literally running for his life, throwing the ball upside down. If you guys haven't seen it, you got to check I've it out. I've seen that on Instagram. Oh, my God. They had me Hitting weak. people on the money hell. in the helmet, in the hands. <laughs> weak as hell, boy. No, nah, but as far as that, the Super Bowl game, I mean, I think, you know, like a lot of people – we're gonna say the Super Bowl was pretty boring, you know, for the yep. most part, because we wanted it. We wanted a competition. We wanted we wanted it to be competitive, and yep. that's not what the fans got. What I would say that was interesting about it is how much the Chiefs really got exposed. Now, me and you both picked the Bucks. You know, I picked the Bucks first, and you kind of like you know pulled on my coattails on that one. And Whatever. You, you didn't you didn't jump uh you didn't jump to, and I was on it yeah, early. Just never done but, but what did I say to you last week during the podcast? Yeah. Tom Brady and the Bucks look like they are on a destiny run. Yeah. And damn, did it look like that. I mean, he's making Bill Belichick and the Patriots kind of look stupid. Like, let's just be real about it because yeah. how the hell you get rid of Tom Brady when yeah. you still do that? The man is accurate as all get out. Are yeah. you serious? 100%. 100%. Uh, Patriots fans, you should be salty. <laughs> and you deserve to be salty. Facts. Your team. Facts. Your Excuse me, not your team. Your management. And your coach has grossly underestimated the talent left in Tom Brady's arm. All right. You let him walk to Tampa Bay. And now he's rubbing your face in his brand new uh, Vince Lombardi trophy that he just rose. Super Bowl MVP. And, and he was an MVP. Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady now is a seven-time NFL champion. Five-time Super Bowl MVP. Uh, David, where, where does Tom Brady stand for you on list? Well, clearly he's the go to the NFL. Okay. I think he is. Stephen A. Easily. Smith. I said he wasn't, but I disagree. I mean, let's reiterate it yet again. We're watching and uh, witnessing greatness Mm -hmm. and historical things that Mm -hmm. in our lifetime, maybe even more, may never be done yet again. But do you... Do you believe this or this question I've burned and asked? Do Do you believe he is the greatest athlete of all time? No. And that's a damn good question. Because, I mean, it's it's impossible to really, to me, try to uh, correlate, you know, him with different, you know, sports and whatnot. Um, especially when, you know, to me, so uh, the biggest debate is, you know, Michael Jordan. Yeah. I think, personally, Michael Jordan, to me, is still the best 
athlete, no matter the sport, baseball, basketball, yeah. football, tennis, you name it. Undefeated in championships. He's undefeated in in the, in the uh, finals. Yeah. Never lost. Never had a game go uh, beyond six games. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl rings, though. Yeah. What's, what's really interesting in, uh, with this question, though, is in basketball, one player has the opportunity to dominate the game. Right. More so than necessarily any player maybe have in football. Right. There's more people on the field, and there's a lot more you, you're not able to control. Right? Um, what I would say is, damn, Tom Brady got more Super Bowl rings than any NFL franchise. Huh? Say what? <laughs> the man got more rings than any NFL franchise. Like, where did they do that at? You know what I'm saying? I love what my boy Ryan Clark said. Literally, he said Tom Brady is not the best player. Uh, excuse me. He's the best player. But not only that, he's also the best organization. Very true. Best organization in NFL history. Very true. Let me One say man. this. I don't, I don't believe he is the greatest athlete of all time because when you think greatest athlete of all time, yeah. you clearly think MJ first, six for six, undefeated in championship games. Um, Jordan also had to do it on a more consistent basis um, because there's this thing called a best of seven series. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had to win more just to accomplish what he needed to accomplish. Um, you got to also put you, you put Tiger in, into the mix, right? Oh, man, Tiger. Uh, you got to put LeBron you still into the mix. Muhammad I think LeBron, LeBron is trailing a little bit right now. On, on um, Tom Brady. And then you got Bill Russell, 11-time champion. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But I will say this about Tom Brady. He has a seat at the table. Mm. He has a seat at the table. Easily. No one denies I that. I mean, his seat is damn, you know, embedded in diamonds. At oh, this yeah, point. yeah, it stays there. Come on now. It stays like, there. I, I, we, we posted recently on the Instagram. If you haven't followed us, go ahead and follow the Instagram account. It's at, at uh, unpopular but accurate. On IG, check us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the views is going up and they're going dummy. Um, obviously, check us out on YouTube as well. But one of the things that I just posted on the on Instagram is the fact that Tom Brady has a better chance of making the Super Bowl than Stephen Curry does of making a three pointer. Like that's how damn good he is. Literally, somebody I forgot the NFL player that tweeted had me dead straight rolling yeah. talking about Tom Brady kids is pretty much vacationing at the, wherever the Super Bowl is yearly. Yeah, they just, <laughs> they, they, they just vacation in there at this point. To it, you know, <laughs> for the week running up to it, man, I'll tell you what. Tom Brady clearly has seen himself as the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. I'm glad he was around during my lifetime growing up to see it because I don't. It's going to be a long time until we see it again. Pat Mahomes is the biggest threat to that, but for if, sure. And, but until the Chiefs can can build better depth at that line position, yeah. because there was no excuse for how that line performed in the Super Bowl. They I don't are care if you lost chops. two of your starters or not. You've got to have depth there. And, and and unfortunately, you know, I don't want to make any excuses for the Chiefs because you got there, you got to show up, all eyes on you. You've been playing and beating everybody ass all year, mm-hmm. and when it counts the most with all the marbles, you gotta you gotta really you know pressure makes diamonds. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys heard or um, were privy to, but before the game, Andy Reid's son actually was involved in a fatal car crash. Yeah, uh, not a fatal. Excuse me. Excuse me. He, it wasn't a fatal car crash, but it was he was involved in a car crash where a five-year-old girl was left currently in a coma with severe brain damage. And, as, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers goes out to the family and the little girl and herself. 
because um, that's highly unfortunate and disappointing and, and just, you know, scary. In fact, so again, all our prayers go to the little girl and our family. But Andy Reid's son was caught on Adderall and had multiple drinks. Yeah. And so it really wasn't that popularized, I feel like, or, you know, a lot I, of people I, ran with something today. They said something about yeah, it. Right? So, yeah, there was people that were reporting on it today. And, and granted, that's weighing in their minds. That's no doubt that's winning the minds. There's no way that doesn't ground that locker room. When you're an NFL football team, they're considered family. You're, you play, your your fellow teammates are your brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone in there issue. looks out for one another. Especially when you're a team that has enough chemistry to get to the Super Bowl, you know it's tight knit. You oh, know, yeah. you know everybody knows everything about you one another. You don't need that before the Super Bowl. That was probably the mm-hmm. worst thing that could have happened to them. Seriously. Um, does it excuse their play? No, it doesn't excuse their play. No, because a lot of play, a lot of fans out there. I've been seeing this on Twitter a lot, um, and just on social media in general. Everybody's like, "Oh yeah, they wanted you know Tom Brady to win." They were throwing a whole bunch of flags. Um, you really don't have an excuse for that. I'm really not trying to hear that. You know why? Why? Because the game was not close for the first time. I believe in Patrick Mahomes' career, he did not score a touchdown. I mean, they completely shut him out. And towards the end of the game with two minutes to go, he threw another interception. I mean, damn, how bad does it really get? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it was it was that bad for Patrick Mahomes. He got flipped up, uh, flipped over multiple times. Mm-hmm. He was running for his damn life. He got what, roughed up. What, what, one of my favorite statistics about this entire match. They beat him like a rented mule. Oh, they took him to the back of the woodshed. But one of my favorite statistics about this is Patrick Mahomes actually ran for 500 yards behind the offensive line. This season? No, that game. That that game. Oh my god. That just game. running around. He just yeah. running around all over the place. Yeah. He actually ran for 500 yards That's behind. The, that just embodies everything we're talking about. They need to get that damn offensive line straight if they want to go back to the Super Bowl next year. I think they'll be back. I don't think there's any question there. They'll get that fixed. They'll dress it in the draft. They'll pay some money. Teams go over the cap all the time. The cap got raised this year. It's a little bit easier. The rich are about to get a little bit richer. With that being said, though, teams that are going back to the Super Bowl – um, the Panthers have the 19th best odds to win the Super Bowl next year, according to Vegas, at plus 4,500 there. Yeah, I've seen that. I might go put a $1,000 on them now if they get the right quarterback. Yeah, put your money up there. <laughs> Stop playing with these boys. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding on that. Um, other big news out of Panthers country this week. Adam Schefter from ESPN reported that the Panthers offered a first-round pick and a fifth-round pick, and get this, Teddy Bridgewater for Matthew Stafford. Schefter also reported the Panthers are still looking for trade offers with Teddy Bridgewater. I know that makes you happy. It, listen, it doesn't. It makes me happy, but I feel bad for Teddy Bridgewater because that is apparently what this yeah. organization has decided to do to its quarterbacks: is just say thank you for your service, but watch me embarrass you with trade talks right now. And at the end of the day, dude, I, I'm going to say it right now. I think there is no chance in hell Teddy Bridgewater is under center for the Panthers next season. Time out, time out. Zero chance? Zero. Zero chance. Nada. Zilch. Why is that? Not happening. Why is that? You don't shop your quarterback around. You don't say you put him in this trade or or let it be let it come out that you trade try to trade him for Matthew Stafford and picks. And then you say you're still looking. Are you kidding me? Here's what's gonna happen. The Panthers are going to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater to a team, and they're probably going to take less than what they should get for him, and they're going to go ahead and draft with the eighth pick in the, in the draft this Your year. boy from BYU? I don't know who they pick. 
I don't want them to pick a quarterback, so I'm not going to speculate. If we can't we'll get, get Justin player. Fields or Trevor Lawrence, I don't know if I really want it. One hundred percent. We, we got to move up in a draft. One hundred percent agree. Listen, at the end of the day, I think the Panthers have already made their mind up. They don't have any cap space going into the offseason to sign a new quarterback. They have eleven point six million available in cap space. They owe Teddy Bridgewater twenty million. The only way they can sign a good quarterback is through a trade. That let, is it. Let me tell you, you guys, like this. You know, whether you're a Teddy Bridgewater fan or not, Teddy still needs an opportunity to prove his ability and prove that he should start. Uh, granted, he didn't have a phenomenal year. Um, there was a lot of things I feel like that prevented him. Like I said before, no OTAs, no offseason, COVID protocols. You got to meet your damn new players, head coaches, uh, offensive line yeah. behind a Zoom call. Yeah. You got to, you know, go over plays. And, you know, that kind of rhythm is made on the field. And when you don't have time before the actual first damn game to actually get into it, you're going to have some uh, ups and downs throughout the season. Some of the downs are going to look worse than what they really are. So to me, you. It, Teddy Bridgewater is a little bit of a reclamation project in a sense that he was he had a serious injury yep. several years ago that could have ended his damn career. Correct. But he's 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 I mean at this point he could be damn near the comeback player of the year. You know that's what he could be in the running for if he plays and performs well. But I just don't feel like it should be definitive, and I don't think it is definitive. So if we're not going to get a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin Fields, a Deshaun Watson, a Tua. You know if they they trade Deshaun, I don't, I don't somebody who could be a, a face of your franchise. We need to continue with Teddy and keep uh, grooming him because, again, for six games of the year last year, I mean, he had the best passing percentage rate in the entire NFL. So Light, let's keep the rhythm light, up. Lightning can hit anywhere once. Ah, uh, but okay. that's more than one. Uh, let me just put it like this. Teddy Bridgewater deserves another shot at being a quarterback. Facts. Yes. But that, Facts. That, that opportunity should not be with the Panthers. Ooh, All right? Yes. It, it's very possible for someone to deserve something. But it's not a good fit for that organization, right? No one would argue that Teddy Bridgewater does not deserve another shot or couldn't be a starting quarterback for, for a certain amount of teams in the NFL. I won't argue that. I think that's true. I just don't think it's a right fit for the Panthers. It does not look like with what Joe Brady wants to run, Teddy Bridgewater can do what he wants because a couple of things. He does not have good downfield accuracy, which this year it went down. Over any year he was prior, he can't get the ball down the field and push it like Joe Brady wants. Think about it. Joe Burrow was dropping dimes all over the field, whether it be 20, 25 yards, or a 45-yard bomb. Joe Brady was getting it done down there. in uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow. Thank you, Joe Brady. Mm. Joe Brady is our uh, uh, offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. But, right. but Joe Burrow Jinx. was getting it done. You owe me a soda. I'll give you a beer. How's that sound? <laughs> Even better. Uh, but no. Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow was getting it done. Well, listen, you guys heard, is it? You, you heard his hot take. You heard it here first. Zero chance in hell. I guess hell got to freeze over before Teddy Bridgewater gets it. Not a snowball's a, chance. Hell got to freeze over before Teddy. And uh, according first. to Tyler... Of Teddy Bridgewater, you know, um, coming back for the play. Uh, Panthers. Duke will make the tournament before Teddy Bridgewater nah, comes back. Duke has a way. You're a dookie, bro. You're a hater. That's some hating shit. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. Listen, listen that's all we got this week for you folks on a popular but accurate with Tyler and David. Please join us next week, though. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to assess the damage. 
from the UNC party issue. We're going to see if the Hornets can continue that hot streak. I think they will. 3-1. and one. Here we go. They better. And we also, since the Panthers are obviously looking around and not even hiding, it's like the cheat. It kind of does feel like infidelity. They're leaving the phone face up at the dinner table and letting Becky text in, and the wife sees it. Giving Teddy Bridgewater insecurity issues. We're going to go ahead and take a look and see who the Panthers are going to target at quarterback next because they're obviously looking around, folks. As always, even if you hated our takes, we hope we at least entertained you. Stop playing with us. Y'all know y'all loved it. For David and myself, thanks for joining us on UBA. We're going to see you guys next week. Peace. Next week.